Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with John Herman. He is the chief commercial officer at Nutribolt, which is a sports nutrition company. But we spent a lot of time talking about their new product, C4, which is an energy drink. And just what are those challenges like, you know, launching an energy drink, getting into a space where there are the behemoths, right? The Red Bulls and rock stars. Is how do you come in and disrupt that space? So great conversation for anyone who's in the CPG space, particularly with drinks or any food. If you want to, uh, you know, hear John's story and kind of how they've been approaching growth. I think it's really, really interesting. But before we get into that, as always, this show is brought to you by Cave Social. That is us. We're a social media agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow using social. So if you're feeling stuck or you need to drive some sales using social media, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, book a free consultation, and we'll be sure to help you out. All right, everybody. That's it. If you got a C4 in front of you, crack it open because this is going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I am welcoming John Herman to the show. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to chop it up. Thanks for being here. For listeners, John is the chief commercial officer at Nutribolt. So a company, if you're in the sports and fitness world, you you may have heard of. I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about the new product line that they have coming out. But before we do that, John, walk us through your backstory. Tell us how you got to you know this position at Nutribolt. How'd you get your feet wet in marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you. Like my legacy and my experience was never per se marketing from a background standpoint. Really, it was always grounded in merchandising within a lot of uh, leading apparel brands that really touch various consumer segments from time spent with American Eagle Outfitters, where you're talking about that 20 something to time spent with Land's End, which is a, a legacy heritage American brand that really at that point had to consumers that were 60 plus male to in the latter part of my career there, I was managing the kids area where you're talking to moms, you know? So at that point though, my background's always been about how do you have a holistic 360 view on how you bring a strategy to reality? How do you think about the product? How do you think about the branding, the storytelling, the value proposition? And when you're in an industry like apparel, it really is grounded in trend. So how do you leverage that gut of knowing your consumer better than anyone else while at the same time, knowing when you need to tag in a little bit of research, when you can actually talk to the consumer directly to make the best decisions possible? And I didn't study to be in merchandising. I studied marketing and it just kind of fell into my lap. And you know, it was a category and a career path that really allowed me to kind of use the paintbrush and the calculator, the left brain and the right brain. And, you know, it got, allowed me to really be opened up to many parts of the organization functionally, whether it be marketing, supply chain, sourcing, finance, and product development and design, uh, which has really led me to where I am today. I love it. And, uh, you know, you touched on something there, which is really thinking about the entire customer experience when you're really into product and you have to think about what is the in retail, especially like what's the mindset of someone when they walk into a store, where are they at emotionally? What time of year is it? What's going on in society? All of that stuff that's going to lead to a purchase. Then you got to look at like, where are we going to place the goods within the store? And there's so much that it's fascinating. And I, I got a taste of that. I worked at Lululemon during college and just to see, I, I realized how scientific it was. Very, very quickly. 
And if you think of a brand like Lululemon, how many yoga pants are sold on a daily basis now? Like what makes them special? It's about their production, their sourcing, their fit. It's about the story. And, you know, so much of the conversation today is about how brand doesn't matter. Amazon's going to wipe out brand from existence and it's all going to come down to value. And I don't buy that. Brand matters, product matters. And that story is is what really defines who will win and, and who consumers care about. Uh, 100%. I'm with you on that. That's the reason that, you know, Tom's Shoe Company and Nike and Lululemon and all of these brands that have great stories and behind them and brand behind them continue to flourish. It's a reason when I go out for a run, I have 17 Nike check marks on me and no Adidas stripes. And it's like, they are the same product. So I'm with you on that when it comes to storytelling and that kind of positions and transitions nicely because Nutribolt, you all are have launched a new product, an energy drink, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're, we've been on the market now since about halfway through 2018, but this has really been our coming out year in 2020. And when you have that, uh, the product C4, so now building off of that, right? in a space where there's obviously the behemoths, right? The Red Bulls. How do you all come in and what's that story now for C4 to help consumers go, okay, I'm going to pick that? Absolutely. So it comes down to authenticity and right to win. And C4 is a brand, Nutribolt, the company that is the parent company of C4, we have 20 years of health and wellness experience within sports nutrition. C4 has been on the market in, in, for 10 years, and it's really known for the pre-workout powder application, but it's really become ubiquitous with the category. We're in 120 countries globally. We're distributed in just about any door that you can find in the US from walking into a GMC vitamin shop to Amazon, Walmart, Target, and the list goes on. So really, it's always been grounded in this authentic history and legacy of sports nutrition and efficacy that is really then supported with better for you. So then you look at an adjacent category like energy drinks and where we're laser focused on really disrupting right now. And you say, how can we be better? How can we be different? And how do we compete with brands that will outspend us every day of the week in marketing? Do we have that base foundation of awareness? And early on, when we were looking at the product development pipeline, we were thrilled to get market research back that showed of, of self-declared active energy drink consumers, two thirds of them knew about our brand already. A third of them were already actively taking our product or had taken our product. And then we looked at what they really saw as being the foundation of what our brand was about. And because we came from health and wellness, we're viewed as better for you in a category that has a legacy perception of bad for you. We are known for being efficacious, which means we do our products do what we say they will do. And that credibility really carried in. So there was just this natural transition between our core consumer, the demographic of who they are and how they live their life, and what was happening in this adjacent category where... You know, if you look at consumables in the CPG category holistically, health and wellness, it's more than a trend. It's more and more topical. People want to put things in their body that they trust from brands they believe in and that they don't want to make compromise. And our brand came from a spot where we could basically go into a category where people said, this is bad for you. And now we're starting to change that discussion and say, this is actually a better for you, better for you offer to help you meet your needs. That's so important. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a massive objection for people who are there is thinking like, oh, I don't want to put 40 grams of sugar in my body or whatever it may be, right? And to come over and use that knowledge from the sports nutrition and the supplement world and apply some of that thinking to a product, I think is, is beautiful from a positioning standpoint to go like, we're tried, tested and true over here, right? And we're just going to take those methods, what we've learned, and then make a product here that really will fit into energy drink users' lifestyles. Also, people who are 
you know, maybe use the sports nutrition products when they're working out. But then if they want to have an energy drink throughout the day or whatever, oh, okay, I already use that brand. I trust that brand. I know that brand. I'm just going to stick with C4. Has there been a lot of crossover between people who are using the sports supplement side of things and then coming over and then using the, the energy drink as well? You know, we recently did some studies and consumer insights, and it's actually coming back that we're getting high, high incrementality, which was a, a very pleasant surprise, like very limited crossover, actually. So, you know, I think having a 10-year legacy like we do within the category, much like my earlier point on apparel, it's trend-based. So people will move to different brands and try different things, but you have that grounded awareness of C4. So active consumers crossing over to a new format, it's a small percent. But getting people back into the funnel that maybe have left us over the years, it's been a great tool to really reignite with that. So the incrementality and kind of the disruption to that existing energy drink category is really where the share is coming from and it makes it super compelling. Very cool. Now, in terms of getting people to you know drink the product, is it a matter of getting it placed on shelves? Is it e-com? Is there a big marketing campaign? What has been the strategy to get that exposure? Yeah. So I think the answer is all of the above. So, you know, getting a drink into one of those cold spots on a shelf in any convenience store around the country, it's difficult. You know, there are over 150,000 locations across the country with cooler space and you can't ship those stores direct. You know, you have to build out what's called a DSD distribution network which takes a lot of resources, a lot of funds, and a lot of expertise. So it really first started out with, okay, we have a product that we think people want. How do we actually get it to be accessible? Because winning as a brand, you need to have mental availability, awareness, and physical availability. So the physical availability was something we had to recruit and hire great leadership to really help build out that network. So now we're getting it on the shelf, but you're now competing with uh, larger contracts with the Coca-Colas and the Pepsis and the current Dr. Peppers. So how do you prove yourself out that you weren't that space? And you know, brand awareness can work with a consumer in their purchase intent, and it can also help within a buyer decision when you're discussing with them, hey, I need you to pick up my product. And it's that much easier when they say, C4, I've loved C4. I took it back when I was in college. Then you get their head nodding and they'll put it in their cooler. So step one was making sure we had the route to market figured out. And we've spent the past two years getting that done. And now we have about 95% of the country covered and we'll have it completely covered by the end of the year. But then digital, I I think if you look at post-COVID, what the impact of the pandemic has been, digital is more topical. That's my obvious statement of the afternoon. But whether it be ordering on Amazon, ordering through a company's direct-to-consumer website, or working with last mile providers or buy online and pick up in store. Thinking about digital is not a separate channel, but how it should be integrated into your core points of distribution is absolutely fundamental. And then last, but certainly not least, you mentioned the marketing campaign. Marketing, again, like we need to be very formulaic and almost money ball in our approach to how do we know the ROI we get on a tactic that we put out? And if we have a strategic growth goal and we know the value of what a new consumer in our funnel is worth, how do we ladder up to that through consumer acquisition and activation? So that could be social media, that could be influencers, paid media, partnerships, or it can also be, and hopefully this rebounds in the second half of next year, just grassroots sampling. We think we have a differentiated experiential product that tastes amazing. So it's the old Pepsi challenge. If we get you to try our product, we think we're going to convert you into being a consumer. And that's something I wanted to talk about too, is like, and I, I love that getting back to sampling next year, because obviously, look, we go into a shelf and I, if I want energy and if I'm a health conscious consumer, I'm going to go and I'm going to flip the can right around and say, what's in this, right? That's how I'm going to shop for a lot of things. I'm going to go and turn it around and be like, okay, what am I putting in my body? And more and more people are doing that. 
But then the next part, the thing that's going to make me repeat buy, right, is going to be taste. I'm glad you brought that up. But like, okay, getting people to actually try the product to go like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> so then the next time that they're there and they have some familiarity, you know, they met someone who's handing out the samples who was joyful and they're able to have that positive imprint. So then the next time they come back or they see it on the shelf somewhere, they can go and make that purchase, hopefully. And I'm glad you talked about too, really getting, coming back to like being the scientific part of a marketer of like, what is driving sales for us or driving exposure? Like, how do we actually look at this and make sure that when we're putting our dollars towards something, it's working for whatever the intended goal is, it's working. Or if it's not good, we can cut that operation quick and and move our budget and move our efforts elsewhere. And I think it's, although Nutribolt has been around forever, is now taking a startup mindset. Really, that startup right. mindset, right? To get this new product, I'm like, oh, test, iterate, repeat, test, iterate, repeat. Can't be stated enough how important that is. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, you check a few boxes there. So one, what is that repeat rate? Because if you have a bad repeat rate, then it doesn't matter what tactic you put in place. If your product is bad, you fail. So if you have a great product and if they try it and if they love it, And we've seen the research come back that we're seeing repeat rates above our peer group, which we're really proud of. So now we know that, hey, if we invest and we get people to try it, it's going to convert. But too often, I think the performance marketing side of the business and the investment has been tied purely to a digital play to understand customer acquisition costs and ROAS and and all other metrics. But you can apply that to many aspects. I mean, there is an overhead expense and an outlay that you would have within set a company event or a partnership that if you can correlate that back to a, a conversion rate and a customer acquisition, then that can now have that same type of performance marketing approach. In-store displays. If I make an investment to put my own cooler in a convenience store and that costs me $1,000, do I get the return rate of performance because of presence and brand awareness and messaging that pays for itself? So. We're trying to apply more of that logic to how we approach our marketing. And what it ends up meaning is that some of those ego investments that it might feel great to see your name on a a headline event, you have to make a hard call and say, it might feel great, but is it really paying the bills? It's every single day we're learning more and more and trying to iterate. Yeah, the ego. I love that the ego investments. I mean, we worked with the we worked with a startup that had a way too much money, just to be point blank. We come on and they were sponsoring NFL teams. And I'm like Nobody knows who you are. Like, what are we doing? And it was like all the budget got wrapped up sponsoring three NFL teams. And I just sat there. I was like, to your point, like, this is ego. Like, this is not getting people to buy where if you get a little bit more tactical and say, okay, we put a display in these five stores in this neighborhood. What was our sales like both e-com and everything within three miles around that and start to pinpoint things and get a little more scientific. It's not sexy. It doesn't, it's not going to win you an award for marketing, but it works. And you can't be outworked on those little things because again, you have finite resources. I have finite people on my team that can do the work. I have finite graphic designers that can do the art and I have finite dollars I can invest in a tactic. So then it always comes back to that healthy push pull between sales and marketing, right? Sales isn't getting enough for marketing. Well, then you can go to sales and say, we're not going to invest in your market yet because you don't have the distribution that you need for me to get my ROI. And you can have that push pull of saying, you know, it's a little, if you build it, they will come build the distribution. And now we can make the larger out of home investments and things of that nature. But until that point, we're going to be very scrappy. I love it. I love that mindset, man, is taking, you know, 
disrupting almost yourself in a way too, right? Not only the industry, but disrupting yourself and taking that startup mentality is so powerful. So I'm excited to see where the brand goes. John, thanks so much for coming on today. Before I let you go, let people know where can they find the product and connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. So we're thrilled about the product so far. We're the fastest growing energy drink in the country this year. We're top 10. And if you're in the New York market, the metropolitan area, uh, we're a top four energy drink. So we've taken over the places of the incumbents like the rock stars and the Nasus. So we're, we're growing and we're getting out there. Right now, You can, depending on where you are in the country, you're going to be able to find us on, of course, Amazon and, and any of the GMCs, but nationally distributed within the Walmart channel and basically any of the big convenience stores that you're driving down the street and refilling your gas tank up at. But distribution's gaining like crazy and it'll go up further next year. Definitely would love any of your followers and listeners to follow us at C4 Energy on Instagram. That's our number one platform. And we're really looking to invest and grow our, our follower base. But a lot of exciting things happening. We think 2021 is going to be a breakout year and uh, appreciate you inviting me on your show. Likewise, I appreciate you coming on, man. And for everybody listening, head over, check out uh, C4 Energy on Instagram. I will also put links to all of that in the show notes page. So if you're listening right now, just go click that link, head over and get yourself some C4. John, thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you next time. Um.